Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Have you ever wondered about the Catholic doctrine of purgatory? I know I have a lot of Protestant friends who will ask me about purgatory. Why do Catholics believe in this? Where is this in the Bible? And uh, I have to be honest, though, I have a lot of Catholic friends that may wonder, what what is that doctrine about? It's it's kind of strange. You know, maybe you've had some questions about purgatory or you've had friends and family members ask you about this. And, you know, if you think about it, it, just from an outsider's perspective, it does seem a little strange, you know, this idea we hear as Christians that God loves you and God's merciful. He's so kind and so gentle. God is love. And then yet we hear that when you die, he's going to bake you in a fiery furnace for 500 years. How, how is that a loving God? And, you know, I think these are fair questions. And there's a there's a lot of great insight from our Catholic faith about purgatory. And that's what I'd like to explore a little bit with you today. I want to take you deeper into the meaning of purgatory. I'm not going to take you to purgatory, but, but I want to take you into the meaning of purgatory. Um, and we're going to look at uh, some of the saints as well and what, what they can tell us about this doctrine, what difference it makes for life. So welcome back to the All Things Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree. I want to give a particularly warm welcome to any new listeners out there. Welcome to the show. And uh, if you're just tuning in, check out the show notes, the free show notes that we offer. Uh, my good friends at Ascension Press put these together each week. You get a little more background on the topics at hand, and you can get those for free at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. And you can just subscribe there and get them in your inbox each week, again, for free at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. Now, I want to tell you about a fun conversation that took place around the breakfast table this weekend. I was having breakfast with my little five-year-old daughter, Kiara. And my Kiara, she's very energetic and expressive. And she was particularly excited about breakfast this morning because she got her favorite breakfast. And it's nothing like pancakes and waffles and donuts. You know what it was? It was Cheerios with strawberries. <laughs> Doesn't take a lot to get a, a little five-year-old excited, but she had her Cheerios and strawberries there. And we're sitting around the table on a Saturday morning and the topic of purgatory came up. Now, I want to be clear. We, I know you may be thinking, wow, Dr. Shree, he's a theologian and he has these deep, intense theological conversations with his five-year-old kids on Saturday mornings every week. And that's not the case. This normally doesn't come up like this. But on this morning, the, the topic of purgatory came up and I was wondering, how do I explain purgatory to a five-year-old? Um, but then it dawned on me, well, it's not just five-year-olds, right? There, there are 25-year-olds and 45-year-olds and 55-year-olds who have questions about purgatory. And uh, I, I know I myself, when I was a child had a lot of questions about purgatory. When I was Kiara's age, you know, I was in preschool. And, you know, for me, when I would hear about purgatory, it was kind of like the naughty bench. I don't know if you remember the naughty bench. This was like the 1970s version of timeout. <laughs> so if you were at preschool and you did something wrong, at least where I was, uh, you had to go sit on the naughty bench and everyone just saw you there. Uh, and they'd walk by you and they had to go in for a class and you know, they'd look at you and you were like humiliated because you had to sit on the naughty bench for like a half hour or something. It felt like a, an eternity. Well, I, 
I, I think I had an impression purgatory was kind of like that, you know, you know, you weren't really, really bad so that you would be kicked out of school, but you weren't good enough to go play with everybody else yet. So you had to go sit on the naughty bench for a while. That's purgatory, <laughs> you know, or, you know, other impressions I had of purgatory growing up as a kid was like, it was a place of spankings, you know, so where God spanks you, you know, you, you did a bunch of things wrong, but God's not kick you out of the family, but you need to be punished. You got to go get your spankings in purgatory, you know, 50 years of spankings maybe, <laughs> or, or it was like a prison sentence, or I remember hearing about the fires of purgatory. That really freaked me out as a little kid. Hear about the fires, you know, but what, what is purgatory really all about? Well, let me tell you how the conversation went with Kiara. So I'm going to tell you about that conversation first, and then I want to give you a beautiful insight from one of my favorite mystical writers, and that's St. John of the Cross that could shed light on this. And then I also want to go practical with you on what differences make for our what difference does this doctrine make for our lives today and then how we can live it out uh, day to day. So that's where we're going to go. But first, let me take you back to that uh, kitchen breakfast table conversation with little Kiara. So I said, all right, so Kiara, so in heaven, do you think people love God in heaven? She's like, oh yeah, she's nodding her head. I said, do you think they love God with how much of their hearts? How much of their hearts they give to God in love? Do you think it's just a little bit of love. And I, I put my two fingers together really small to indicate really tiny bit of their hearts. And she said, no, I think it's more like this. And she put her fingers out wide, you know, to show that they would love God more. And she said, oh, you think it's only that much? Or what if you think it's more like this? And I put my hands, two hands kind of apart from from themselves. And she says, and her eyes lit up. She goes, no, daddy, it's like this. And she stretches out her arms as far as possible to express they love God with all their hearts, total love. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what heaven's all about. And you know, as listeners, you know that Jesus said, you know, what is what do you have to do? Well, you have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind. Now, notice the emphasis is on all. Jesus doesn't say, love God with half your heart or love God with most of your heart. No, no. It's love God with all your heart. Total love. Why? Why does that make sense? Because when we die, all that's going to be left is us with God. And who is God? God is love. God is perfect, total, self-giving love, infinite love. And so if we die and we only love God with half of our hearts or three quarters of our hearts, we're not ready to be fully united with him. There's no one in heaven that loves God with 90% of their heart or 99.9% of their heart. No, if they're going to be fully united with the God who is love, total, infinite, self-giving love, then our hearts have to be yielding itself themselves totally to God, completely, with our arms stretched out, totally in love, as little Kiara would express it. So then I said, well, what happens, Kiara? If somebody doesn't love God, they don't love God at all. In fact, they don't love anybody. They don't love their mommy and daddy. They don't love their brother and sister. They don't love their friends. They don't love their teacher at school. They don't love anyone. They have no love in their hearts. Well, what's going to happen to them? And she says, they're going to go to hell. <laughs> Now, maybe I, we, we had talked about hell a few a couple months ago, so that must have been fresh on our mind. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do another show on how you explain hell to a five-year-old. Um, but but uh, <laughs> but I'll just set that aside for now. Let's just stick with purgatory here. Um, but but then I said, well, okay. So in other words, the the idea is that if I die, and I die with my heart loving God, 
So I don't hate God. I don't go to hell. I don't reject God. I don't reject truth. I don't reject love. I really do sincerely love God, but I'm not perfect in my love. Then what happens? So I said, so what happens, Kara? If I get, if I love God with only half my heart, should I go to hell if I really love God? She says, no, I go, but am I ready for heaven? If I don't love God with all my heart and we stretch out our arms out wide and now little Eleanor, the three-year-old's listening to the conversation, she's doing all the hand motions, stretching out her arms wide as well. I go, so if I, if I don't love God with that perfect love, arms stretched out love, but I, only, I, I do love God, should I go to hell? No, but I'm not ready for heaven yet. What happens? That's purgatory. That's what purgatory is about. Purgatory is when we die and we really do sincerely love God, but our hearts have selfishness in it still. Our, our hearts are tainted by pride. They're tainted by greed. They're tainted by lots of fears and, and control and self-interest and lust and anger, all those things that, that keep us from having hearts fully giving themselves arms stretched out love to God. I, I'm not ready to be fully united with God, but I'm not worthy of going to hell because I'm in friendship with God. I, my heart needs to be changed. It needs to be purified. It needs to be transformed. That's what purgatory is all about. Now, I want to take you all a little bit deeper than my little uh, Saturday morning conversation with Kiara around Cheerios and strawberries. Uh, I want to give you one Bible verse. And again, I, I may do a show down the road specifically on the, uh, the Bible and purgatory, really walking through a little more apologetics on this. But let me just share with you one verse today. And that is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. St. Paul in this passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 15, talks about how some will be saved, but only through fire. I think this is a great biblical text to turn to. There's many others we could turn to, but this is a really good one because it shows that that the, the person that Paul's talking about, some will be saved, these are not people going to hell, eternal separation from God. No, these are people who are, are going to be saved, but they're not saved yet. They're, they're going to be saved only after they go through fire. So I think it's a biblical uh, a hint, an allusion to the idea of purgatory, a great passage to turn to. So they're going to be saved. They're on the way to, to, to heaven. They're going to be saved indeed, but they have to pass through fire. Now, secondly, let's talk about what the, what the fire of purgatory is really all about. What are these fires? Don't think of it as like devils with pitchforks kind of poking at you for a while, and then, then God will free you from them and you get to go to heaven. Think of it as more the fire of God's love. Yeah, don't think of it as the fire and brimstone you sometimes read about in the Bible, but, but there are many times in the Bible where fire is describing not God's wrath, but God's love. His closeness, his nearness, his holy presence. Uh, the book of Hebrews describes God as an all-consuming fire. Think about in the Old Testament, for example, when God revealed himself to Moses. How did he reveal himself to, to Moses? Do you remember? In a burning bush, fire, his closeness, his intimate closeness to Moses. And then when God led the people in the wilderness through those 40 years, he led them at night through a pillar of fire. So fire symbolizes God's holy presence, his closeness. Think about it, Pentecost, on that day when the apostles received the Holy Spirit, how did the Holy Spirit come upon them? In the form of tongues of fire coming upon them. So fire symbolizing God's holy presence. So 
Those are two things I want you to keep in mind. First Corinthians 3.15, think about the biblical image also of fire uh, is symbolizing God's presence, God's closeness, God's love. But now I want to share with you this wonderful insight from one of my favorite spiritual writers, St. John of the Cross. And he has a beautiful image. Now, he's not directly talking about purgatory itself. He's talking about the, the, the path to holiness and what God does in the soul. And he has a wonderful analogy about fire consuming a log of wood. If you've ever sat around a fire and you've watched uh, the, the pieces of wood be totally inundated by a fire, you know, first you start the fire and they start catching fire. And then there, you reach this moment where the whole log is ablaze with the fire. And, and John of the Cross uses that as an image to say, that's what happens when a soul is completely transformed by the living flame of love, the flame of God's love, the Holy Spirit completely taking over a soul. You know, this is like a piece of wood becomes so penetrated by the fire, so transformed by it and united with it that the wood flares up and blazes flames from itself. And that's what happens in a soul when a soul is completely taken over by God, completely inundated by the Holy Spirit the flames of love leap up from the soul itself. God is radiating through that soul, inspiring all of its thoughts, all of its actions, all its desires. And the soul's just completely cooperating with the life of the Holy Spirit, the living fame of love within it. It's a beautiful image of what God wants to do in all of our lives. But let me ask you, listeners, how many of you have reached that stage of spirituality? Have you reached that yet? <laughs> you know, we hear that it's beautiful, it's mystical, I love it, it's inspiring, but there's another part of me so intimidated by it because I don't feel like that. I I, I know that there may be some moments I feel guided by God, inspired by God, and I do something really kind for someone that I notice, wow, that wasn't me, that was God. Kind of like, I, I, wow, I, I wasn't selfish like I normally was in that moment, or I was actually patient this one time with my kids. Wow, I, you know, I know that that's God working in me, right? But but the, that idea of being completely inundated by God's Holy Spirit, I know I'm not there yet. I have a lot of work to do. I, I need God to do a lot of work in me in my spiritual life. Well, St. John of the Cross describes this. He says, well, what happens when souls, when God draws nears to souls who are not perfect yet, souls who are not like dry pieces of wood ready to be completely taken over by the flames of his love? What about those souls that have lots of imperfections, weaknesses, selfishness, pride, fear, all these things that keep us from receiving God's love. What happens there? Well, John of the Cross says, well, for them, they don't experience the flame of love uh, in, a, in a gentle way. <laughs> they experience it as afflictive. It's painful. And his analogy is this, it's kind of like uh, when you have a damp piece of wood and, and you put that damp piece of wood on the fire, what happens to that wood? That wood is not taken over easily by the fire. Oh no, that wet piece of wood. We, we did this this summer. We had some rain. And uh, so some of our wood was wet and we put some of the wet wood with the other logs and you could tell the wet wood just was not catching fire. It's resisting the fire. And you see all the other, the, the logs that are on fire are trying to heat the, the wet the wet log and the wet log is starting to to sputter it's it's emitting you know smoke as the water is evaporating so it's resisting the fire and it's not easily taken over it takes a long time for that wet piece of wood uh, to be taken over by fire and and that's that's like us you know we, we're like we're like damp logs <laughs> you know we resist the living flame of love within us 
and, and God needs to change us. And that's what God's doing, by the way, in our lives right now. And if we die and we truly want the living flame of love and we're seeking him and there's little signs, you know, we are really trying to be good. We die in friendship with God. We die with love on our hearts, but we still have a lot of damp areas, a lot of weaknesses, then then that process of transformation continues into the afterlife. And that's purgatory. So I think there's some beautiful images here that we can take away from St. John of the Cross about the meaning of purgatory. I want to leave you with some practical points though. Practically, what does the doctrine of purgatory mean for me today? Well, the first point is we just have to remember what I was just saying here, that this process of the damp log being transformed, that's happening right now in our spiritual lives. Let's work on those purgatorial fires now so we don't have to spend as much time in purgatory later in the afterlife. (laughs) You know, let's spend time now really going after sin in our life. Let's frequent the sacrament of confession. Let's uh, do whatever we can to to root out weakness and sin now. You know, we don't want to be mediocre Christians. You know, mediocre Christians just go through the motions. They believe the right things. They're orthodox. They stand up for the right moral teachings. That's a great thing. You know, they might throw some money in the basket. They go to mass every Sunday. Maybe they listen to Catholic radio and participate in a Bible study. All that's good. But they're not really working on their weaknesses. They're not really striving to get better. They're kind of just coasting. And they're just hoping that somehow, well, I, you know, it'll all work out sometime. No, no, no. God's looking for souls that want to give their hearts. Think of little Kiara, her arms completely stretched out. Do you have that desire? Do you reach your arms out to God? Do you reach your arms out to say, Lord, I want to love you more. Are, uh, are you striving to root out your, your struggle with anger, your struggle with lust, your struggle with laziness, your struggle with self-centeredness, whatever it is. Are you striving to love your spouse more? Are you striving to love your kids more? You know, we need to be working on this now so our hearts are changed. Let's try to love God with all our hearts now here on earth and not wait till purgatory. And the more work we do now, the better it's going to be for later on. So let's be true disciples who are being transformed into Christ-likeness from one degree of glory to another. Now, a second thing I want us to do is we, we really want to remember the dead. And this is a very important point. Don't assume that your loved ones who have died are in heaven. Please do not assume that they're in heaven unless they're a canonized saint. And that's really cool. Send me an email. I want to to meet you if you have a canonized saint that is one of your relatives. That's really awesome because they're going to be up there praying for you. But you just don't know. I mean, I realize maybe your grandmother was the kindest woman in the in the town and gave up her so much of her life, you know, to serve the poor and serve at your parish and prayed so much. That's a wonderful thing. But don't assume that she's in heaven hope that she is. We can really hope she is, but don't assume and and neglect your love for her because she needs you to pray for her. Uh, you know, maybe you have a, 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 a parent or a, a sibling or a friend. Again, I want to be clear. We, we can hope that they're in heaven. They might be, but we can never assume that. And they need our prayers if they're not. You know, if St. Saint, Saint Monica, let me tell you the story. St. Monica was the mother of Augustine and if she's dying, one of her, some of her last words for Augustine are Monica, it's Monica pleading to Augustine, begging Augustine, remember me in prayer after I die. Pray for me, especially at mass. Now think about this is a very holy, saintly woman. And yet she is begging Augustine for prayers. 
if Monica's doing that, then that reminds us we, we need to, we need to be praying for our loved ones. We should not assume that they're in heaven. We, we tell our kids this and we say, children, if we ever die, pray for us, always remember us in prayer, you know? Uh, so let, let's not neglect that love that, that the dead need. And if they are in heaven, our prayers aren't wasted. God will take it and he'll apply it to other souls that don't have anyone to pray for them or some other need in the church. God will see our hearts and apply our loving prayers for the dead to others who need those prayers. So they're never wasted. But when we neglect to pray for our loved ones, you hear this, you hear people say, oh, you know, this person's so kind and this person did this and this person, you know, so I'm sure they're in heaven. And you're like, well, we don't know that. Let's love our beloved dead enough to pray for them. Now, secondly, how do we pray for them? So for, you know, we, we must pray for them and then how to, this is the second point I want to get to. How do we pray for them? Well, you pray for them by name. You could just each day, you can keep a list of people that in your head or you write it down and you just pray for them, you know, pray for them by name. Maybe you offer up your rosary for them. If you pray the rosary, it's a wonderful thing to pray for the dead for the rosary, or you maybe just do a decade of the rosary a day. You're, those are some specific prayers. You could just say a simple Hail Mary for them. That would be enough, but remember them. And, and if you have close family members, especially, you know, close loved ones, pray for them by name. You can pray for the holy souls in purgatory who have no one to pray for them. That's a wonderful act of charity. You know, we pray for those poor souls in purgatory, just those poor, poor people on earth that don't have anyone taking care of their material needs. There are poor holy souls in purgatory that don't have anyone taking care of their spiritual needs. And just like, you know, our prayers matter. You know, I'll often ask people for prayers. I know my wife will pray for me when I'm going through a difficult time where there's a certain weakness I'm trying to, I'm struggling with. And I go, I really need extra prayers for this. And I know she prays and I, I can feel it. It helps. And, and if that's true for our friendships here on earth, it's certainly true for our brothers and sisters who've gone before us that are in purgatory. Our prayers really matter. Let's pray that whatever dampness in their soul is keeping them from that all-consuming fire of God's love, uh, the, the, that dampness May, may go away and the fire may take over. Let's pray for them to be taken over by love. Um, remember them in the mass. It's a wonderful thing to do. Uh, you can have masses offered for them. You can simply just offer your own communion for the dead. You can just pray for them in your own head during mass. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, like Monica asked, pray for me, Augustine, especially in the mass. Um, visit a cemetery. You know, I think that's another great thing. Go visit a cemetery. You know, you can even take your kids with you. It's a, you know, we, we've done that sometimes and it's a great thing for them to remember the dead and, and see the practice. And even if you don't have a cemetery, you know, your the loved one that you, that, that, that has died is, is not buried in your town and is on the other side of the country. That's okay. You can still go to a local cemetery and pray for those dead that are there. And you can go and remember the dead that are, uh, that, that are all, all around the world that, that have died. So you can remember those that are far away. It's a great practice to go to a cemetery. People go on pilgrimage to Rome, the Holy Land and Spain and Fatima. And these are wonderful things, you know, to do. Uh, I lead pilgrimages. So please keep doing pilgrimages. But did you know you can go on a spiritual pilgrimage right in your hometown by visiting a cemetery and, and offering prayers for the dead? It's a wonderful practice uh, to do that. So those are a couple ways to, to live out the doctrine of purgatory in our own daily lives here on earth. 
And I hope this show has been helpful. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share the All Things Catholic podcast with your friends and family and others that you think might be might be uh, blessed by this. And check out my website. You can always reach me there at edwardsree.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget those show notes. You can get those show notes for free at ascensionpress.com slash allthingscatholic. Thanks for listening and God bless.